The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 5, and if you have your Bibles here this morning, I ask that you go ahead and turn there, because there's something I want you to see in a little bit, and I'm not going to read all of the story that we're going to talk about this morning. But uh, it's interesting to me the choice of music that the praise team had because it fits perfectly with the message today. I wasn't here Wednesday, and uh, so I and I never do tell them what to do. I suggest a song every now and then, but uh, it all fits perfectly uh, for our sermon this morning because we're going to talk about when you have a bad day. Have you ever had a bad day? <laughs> we're going to talk about when you have a bad day. And it even gets worse. And uh, if, if uh, you want to hear a story, I'm going to read a, <clears throat> a children's story that's entitled Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> How many of y'all heard this before? A bunch of you. I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. When I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard, and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was still running, and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At breakfast, Anthony found a Corvette Stingray, a car kit in his cereal box, and Nick found a junior undercover agent coded ring in his cereal box. But my breakfast cereal box, all I found was cereal. I think I'll move to Australia. In the carpool, Miss Gibson let Becky have a seat by the window. Audrey and Elliot got seats by the window, too. I said I was being scrunched. I said I was being smushed. I said if I didn't get a seat by the window, I was going to get car sick. But no one even answered me. I could tell I was going, it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school, Miss Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the invisible castle. Uh, at singing time, she said I sang too loud. At counting, at counting time, she said I left out 16. Who needs 16? I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I could tell because Paul <clears throat> says I wasn't his best friend anymore. He said that Philip Parker was his best friend and that Albert Mayo was his next best friend and that I was only his third best friend. I hope you set on attack, I said to Paul. I hope the next time you get a double-decker strawberry ice cream cone, the ice cream falls off the top of the cone and lands in Australia. There were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag and Albert got a Hershey bar with almonds and Paul's mother gave him a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on top. Guess whose mother forgot to put dessert in their lunchbox? It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That was, uh, that's what it was, because after school, my mom took us to the dentist, and Dr. Fells found a cavity just in me. Come back next week, and I'll fix it, said Dr. Fields. Next week, I said, I'm going to Australia. On the way downstairs, the elevator door closed on my foot while we were waiting for Mom to go to the car, 
And Anthony made me fall uh, where it was muddy, and I started crying because of the mud. And Nick said I was a crybaby. And uh, while I was punching Nick for saying crybaby, my mom came back with the car and scolded me for being muddy and fighting. I'm having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, I told everybody. No one even answered. So then we went to the shoe store to buy some sneakers. Anthony, Anthony chose white ones with blue stripes. Nick chose red ones with white stripes. I chose blue ones with red stripes, but the shoe man said we were sold out. They made me buy plain old white ones, but they can't make me wear them. When we picked up my dad at his office, he said I couldn't play with his copy machine, but I forgot. He also said watch out for the books on his desk, and I was careful that I could be, except for my elbow. He also said don't fool around with his phone, but I think I may have called Australia. My dad said please don't pick me up anymore. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There were lima beans for dinner, and I hate lima beans. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad pajamas. I hate my railroad pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow that I gave him, and I could, I could, I could keep the Mickey Mouse nightlight, but it's burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not with me. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. But Mom says some days are like that, even in Australia. <laughs> Have you ever had a, a terrible, really bad day? Probably you have. Uh, and uh, if you have, you can identify with Moses, because that's what we're going to talk about. Moses had accepted the call of God. Y'all remember we talked about last week, and uh, he had secured a release from his father-in-law. He had begun his journey back to Egypt, and on the, mo on the way, Moses met up with Aaron. You know, the Lord said that Aaron is going to meet you, and uh, God said, well, you're going out and meet, you, meet each other. That's in uh, Exodus 4.27. And it is always encouraging to kind of see how God works from both ends in a situation. He has... Moses going, he has Aaron coming up to meet him, and uh, when they arrive there back in Egypt, they summon a meeting there with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, the children of Israel there, with their, uh, <clears throat> with their leaders, and uh, they reveal to them all that God had told him, all that God had told Moses, these elders there of, of Israel. And that's, that's chapter 4, verse 28 through 30. As I said, we're not going to read all these, but uh, it, it tells about how he's revealed to them what God has said. And in, in chapter 4, verse, 40, uh, verse 31, the people, it says they believed. Okay? So, so these, uh, these Hebrew children, they're there. Moses returns after 40 years of being gone. He says, hey, God came to me. He revealed these things to me. Here's his words, and here's what God is going to do, and he's going to deliver y'all. You know, it says that God heard the groaning of the people. I'm sure Moses told them that. And they believed him. And at that point, the easy part was over for Moses. At that point, uh, he had to go and relay the, 
the, the message of God to Pharaoh. And the acceptance of the people was, was reassuring, I'm sure. You know, Moses had to be thinking about that fight that he had separated 40 years earlier when they said, who made you king and ruler over us? Are you going to kill us too? Well, he goes back, he's talking to some of those same people, and they say, okay, we're on board. We believe that. We, we think this is, uh, God is going to deliver us. And so Moses began uh, the, the bad day when he had an audience with the king. Now, we're going to jump right into the message here. When you have a bad day, you need to recognize this, that the presence of problems is not always an indication that we're not in God's will. Did you hear that? When we're having a bad day, we need to recognize that the, the presence of problems in our daily life, that, that, that's not an indication that we're not in God's will. Because the scene definitely has a, a, a dramatic scene here. You have two 80-year-old men going and standing before the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh. And, and in chapter 5, and that's where we are, Exodus chapter 5, Here's how it begins afterward. This is after uh, Moses has met with the, uh, the elders of, of, of Israel, or the, the, uh, the children there of, uh, of Egypt, after, uh, not Egypt, uh, of, uh, help me out, where am I going? Sunday school teachers. Uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew children. After he had met with them, uh, he goes, and, and this is where we begin in chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, The God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now that was the start of a bad day. Moses and Aaron go, goes, and they say, Okay, let my people go. The Lord God of Israel. They say, he said to you, Let my people go. Now, verse 2, look what Pharaoh said. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey him, his voice, and let Israel go. I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, I want to stop and remind you right here. Where is Moses? He's following God's plan, isn't he? He's in the center of God's will. He met with the... With uh, Israel, he said, here's God's plan. They said, boy, we're on board. He goes to Pharaoh. He says, the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's response, completely negative. Who is this God you're talking about? And who am I that I would obey him? I don't even know who you're talking about. And by the way, I'm not going to let these people go. So here in Moses, that's really a, a tragic response because it's all negative. It's it's cynical in his response as he's sitting there. Who is Jehovah that I should obey his voice and let these people go? That's all true and that's all tragic. That, that, that name that Pharaoh has never uh, heard the name of Jesus, that's probably not true. He's probably, it's not true that he's not, he's not uh, heard folks talk about Jehovah. That's real, that's real doubtful that he's never heard that. The problem here is the word obey. That's the whole problem. I want you to think about this. He understood that these men, they weren't presenting him with a request to let people go. They were giving him a mandate to let people go. Did you see that in that conversation? They didn't have in there, hey, the Lord is requesting that you should let his people go. He's, Moses said, here's the word of the Lord. 
Let my people go, period. So they're giving a demand to Pharaoh. They're coming, Moses and Aaron's coming and giving a demand. F.B. Meyer, he said it this way, to appreciate the audacity of the demand, we must remember the unbridled power and authority claimed by Egyptian monarchs. For them or for him, great Egypt existed. For those monarchs, that was, that's all Egypt was. It was all for him. For him, all other men lived, suffered, and died. For him, the mighty Nile flowed. For him, vast army of priests and musicians and magicians and, and court attendees, they wrought and they ministered only for him. That's the power that Pharaoh had. See, for Pharaoh, everything that existed was for him and for his power, for his glory. And all of a sudden, we have these folks coming in and they say, Hey, God of Israel said, Let my people go, Pharaoh. And I want you to notice, at once, immediately, the situation changed for the children of Israel. If you're following along there, that same day, Pharaoh communicated with his taskmasters. This is in a 24-hour period. Moses has met with them. They're on board. This is what God said. He's going to deliver you. He goes to Pharaoh. He talks to Pharaoh within 24-hour period. So the same day, that's the same day that Moses came and Aaron came, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, this is verse 6 in chapter 5, saying, You shall no longer give people the straw to make bricks as before. Let them go gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks that they have made before, and you shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they are crying out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. As desperate as their plight may have been, as bad as things already were, they're about to get worse. Pharaoh's going to make slavery more bitter, bondage more heavier, the the task more difficult, and he does this immediately. Think about this. If we were in that situation and, and I say, here's what God's going to do and, and we're, we're, we're being slaves in, under Pharaoh and, and I tell you that word and we're all excited and saying, oh, God's fixing to deliver us and these things are fixing to happen and, and, uh, and Aaron and Moses, Jake and Jeremy, they've gone out to talk to Pharaoh and, and all of a sudden, just a few hours later, boom, they get that word. Okay? We're fixing to give you... The same quota, we're going to give you more work. And by the way, we're not going to provide your uh, needs anymore. You're going to have to go out and you're going to have to do these things on your own. This is a, this is a, a, a wonderful illustration of what happens in people's lives and whom we share the life-changing message with sometimes. You know, sometimes when you present the gospel to someone, when, when someone's having a tough time and, and instead of accepting the message, they become even more busy. Instead of accepting the message, they, they become more burdened or more bitter about it. I mean, people do that today. They hear the Word of God, and instead of hearkening to it and saying, Hey, I heard the Word of God, all of a sudden they're more angry, they're more bitter, they're more resentful, they're pushing harder against it. You need to understand, when something like that happens, Satan is worried or he wouldn't care. 
In other words, as, as Pharaoh heard the word of God and, and, and Satan began to see that the children of Israel were fixing to return to God, he began to get worried. He began to, he began to try to direct him. So, folks, when we're in the midst of that situation and when things begin to get tough, and when all of a sudden the tasks are more hard and, and, the, and the, bond, the, the, uh, the, the, the bondage is heavier or things are getting more bitter, we need, to, we need to pray even harder. Because at that point, Satan knows something's about to happen here. And that's what we see happening in this time. So, so these people, we, we need to consider where they at. What had been difficult now really became impossible. The things that they could hardly reach became impossible. All day long, people tried to carry out the order of Pharaoh, verses 12 through 14, to make the same quota of bricks. Finally, they couldn't stand it any longer, so they decided to make appeal to Pharaoh. I kind of flew through this, so this is what's happening. The, the taskmasters came. They said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have to make more brick. You're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to go out and you're going to have to give your own straw. You're going to have to do these own things. And they tried and tried and tried. You know, if they didn't do it, they were getting beat. And they were getting whipped. So they're trying and trying. Well, finally, they say, we're going to go to Pharaoh. We're going to make an appeal. In verse 15, then the officers of the children of Israel came and they cried out to Pharaoh. Well, the results are just what you probably thought they would be. As they came and they cried out to Pharaoh, it says he refused to listen to them as they made this appeal. That's verse 17 and 19. Matter of fact, what Pharaoh said is this, you're just lazy. You're just lazy. And listen to what he said to them. If you have time to think about your God, and if you have time to worry about making an idol for him, you ain't busy enough. Now, folks, listen, does Satan not do that today? Have you never heard that, that little saying that if Satan can't make you bad, mad, he'll make you busy? Doesn't he do that today? That's exactly what Pharaoh done. He said, okay, you think you got time to worship? Here, I want to add all this to you. Let's see you do it. Let's see you do all these things. And then you're going to forget about worship because the bottom line is you're not busy enough. You're just lazy. Now, in verse 20, it says, Then as they came out from Pharaoh... They met Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron hear that these leaders are going to go. They're going to make an appeal to Pharaoh. So they kind of hang around and say, hey, let's listen and see what Pharaoh had to say. Verse 20, they came out. They met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, these, these leaders of Israel, they said to Moses and Aaron, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. Because you've made us a stench in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword to their hand and kill us. So here's Moses and Aaron. They're right there where God wanted them. They're serving the Lord, the children of Israel, just the same day nearly. Just maybe a few days later said, hey, we're on board. Let's go for it. All of a sudden they looked at Moses and said, May God judge you for what you've done for us. You, you've made Pharaoh hate us. You've made his servants hate us. Matter of fact, you've made us a stench in their nostrils. You, you've just made something they can't hardly stand. And they accuse Moses of, of doing these things to the Egyptians. And all of a sudden, Moses, he's there. He's where God wants him. So here's my second point. 
When you're having a bad day, we need to recognize that God doesn't have to work according to our plans or our timetable. Folks, I think it's where we mess up a lot of times. We think we're in God's will, and we are. And we're where God wants us to be, but we make a mistake of thinking, you know what, God, you need to work in my timetable. Here's my plan, and here's what we're going to do. And God says, okay, let's go for it. They presume that God would work, but He didn't work the way they thought He would work or the way they anticipated that He was going to work. And because of that, they became offended. So they said, God, we had envisioned this. Moses came. He said, here's what the word of the Lord said, and he's going to go to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's going to say, oh, God said that. Well, all means, y'all just go ahead and go. That's what they had on their mind. When that didn't happen, all of a sudden they were offended. And if we have certain expectations how God should work in a certain situation, when that doesn't happen, that's difficult for us sometimes, even for Christians. Hey, I prayed about this. Brother Jake said if you pray, God's will be done, and and it's it's His will, and it's a prayer offered in faith, this is what's going to happen. And I've just said that, and and it's not happening. All of a sudden, we're offended. Remember, folks, God doesn't always work according to our timetable and our plans. Because God's on His own timetable, and you know what? There's always a reason for that. There's always a reason that God is working in His timetable. Matter of fact, if Moses had really remembered what God had told him, if you go back to chapter 3, verses 18 and 19... God said, Moses, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to Israel. They're going to be excited about it. You're going to go to Pharaoh, and he's not going to let it happen. So he had already prepared that. He said, Pharaoh's not going to let the people go. Matter of fact, he's not going to let them go until I put maximum pressure upon him. Folks, if you remember, that maximum pressure was this, the death of his firstborn son. That's when Pharaoh finally let the people go. So, folks, and we're in the middle of God's will, and we're having a really bad day. Don't forget that God doesn't work according to our plans or our timetable, but according to His. Here's my third point this morning. When you're having a really bad day, when problems become around us, be careful which way you run. Okay? Be careful which way you run. If, if you go, and, and you, I want you to consider for just a moment how the people's response must have affected Moses. This is their second response. Think how that must have affected them. You know they had rejected him once before. Don't you know he thought about that? They had rejected him before. They, they had kind of told him he was inadequate before. Don't you know that must have came to his mind? Those thoughts of of, hey, I've stood before the people before. They, they looked at me and said, who am I? That, 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 who are you that you would deliver Israel? And then what did Moses say to God? Moses said to God, what if they don't believe me? So Moses is already worried about those things. And last time this happened, what did Moses do? He ran, didn't he? Where did he run to? He ran to the desert. He ran to Midian. But this time... When these things happened, Moses ran all right, but this time he ran to God. Instead of running to the desert and hiding out and saying, Okay, God, that must not have been your plan. He went straight to God. Verse 22 says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? And why is it that you have sent me? Listen, 
So Moses returned to the Lord. And he said to the Lord, Why is it that you have brought trouble on this people? And why is it that you have sent me? You know what? Moses is saying this, Where did I go wrong? God, what did I do wrong? I, I thought I was in the center of your will. God, I thought I was exactly where you wanted me to be. And, and where did I go wrong? Why me? Why now? Why did, why, why did I even get my hope up? Why did I ever agree to take this job? Why, why God, why is this happening to me? When I'm trying to be in the center of your will, have you ever been there? Have you ever said, God, I just don't understand? It seems like every direction I turn, it's a dead end. But God, I know you led me in this direction, so, so why me? I want you to look at what God said in, in verse 1 of chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let my people go. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke, spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. Now, Notice that God doesn't reprimand Moses for asking questions. I think we forget that as Christians sometimes. When we have something we don't understand, take it to God and say, Why, God? Why is this happening? I don't understand why this is happening. I think we have to feel like we just got to fold our hands and say, Well, it's just God's will, and, and who am I to question what God's doing? He doesn't say that to Moses. He says, Okay, here, I want you to wait, and I want you to watch what's fixing to happen, Moses. He gave Moses an answer, and God's response was, was give me a little bit of time, and I'm going to show you some great things that's fixing to happen. Folks, when we're in the midst of our problems, when we start running, we don't need to throw our hands up and say, okay, God, I tried it, I'm giving up, and I quit. We don't need to run away from God. We need to go to God and say, "Here, God, here's my concerns and here's the things I don't understand. And God might respond to us, well, you know what, I'm going to show you some great things. Just have a little patience. And besides that, Moses, I am the Lord. I'm, I'm the God of, of creation. I, I'm the creator of all things. Which brings me to my last point. When we have a bad day, we need to recognize that God's plans have a purpose, and they've not changed. When we're in the center of God's will and when things seem to go a little bit wrong, we need to remember God's plans, they have a purpose and they've not changed. No, no matter how beat down we are, no matter how crushed or broken or desperate, God still cares about us. He still has a great compassion for us, and, and He understands the need that we have. No matter what our problem, God's not changed. Our sin hasn't changed God. Our shame hasn't changed God. He, he desires to help us, and, and we're more important to God than what we've done or what we've accomplished. And, and God says, Moses, just be patient here because I'm going to show you some great things. If God had just let the people, if Pharaoh had just let the people go like that, would think of all the things that Moses would have missed out on. Think of all the things that the children of Israel wouldn't have seen. And through that process, what were they doing? They were realizing God is a great God. God's going to deliver us. Look at the things that He's done at the hand of Moses. So God said, wait a minute, Moses. Give me a little time, and you are not going to believe what I have in store for my people and for Pharaoh. And remember, after all, 
I am the Lord. I think too many times we allow ourselves to focus on the difficult situations instead of focusing on God. I thought about, I thought about Peter, and I thought about the situation he was in with the other disciples, and they were out on the ocean, and the boat was being tossed by the wind, and they were all afraid they were going to die, and, and they looked across the ocean, or they looked across the sea, and there was someone walking, and somebody said, it's a ghost, and, and all of a sudden, Peter realized it was the Lord, and he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me, and I'll come to you on the water. And the Lord said, well, come on. And he got out of the boat, and he began to walk on the water. And if you remember that story, what happened? Boy, he's where God wanted him. He's walking. He's living a miracle. He's in the middle of God's will. And the Bible says he looked around and he saw the waves and he saw the wind and he began to sink. What did he do? He took his eyes off of God. He took his eyes off the Savior and he, he began to look around at the circumstances. And that's what God's reminding Moses here is, is I'm the Lord. Moses, don't look around at what Pharaoh said. Moses, don't worry about what the children of Israel said. I'm the Lord. I promise deliverance. I'm going to keep my promise. Focus on me. Don't focus on the problem. And I'm going to take care of the things. I'm going to deliver what I said I was going to deliver. Isn't that great news? He's saying, rest your eyes on me. Because remember, I am the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And what are we to do when we're running that race that sets before us? We're to look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. Until we fix our eyes upon Jesus, you'll not handle the problems and the day will go from bad to worse. This is Charles Swindoll. When your schedule presses, when your prospects are thin, when your hope burns low, when people disappoint you, when events turn against you, when dreams die and when walls close in, when the prognosis seems grim, when your heart breaks, look at the Lord and keep your eyes on Him. Then beginning in verse 6 there, this is chapter 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel... I am the Lord. I will bring you from the, under the hands or the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage for I am the Lord. The Lord said, okay, Moses, I understand. I hear your question. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to the children of Israel. And this is what I want you to say. If you've got your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to chapter 6, and you'll look down there in verse 6, verse six through 8, seven times the Lord says, I will... I will bring you out, I will rescue you, I will redeem you, I will take care of you as my people, I will be your God, I will bring you into the land, and I will give you this as a heritage from the Lord. If you have your Bibles, underline those I am's. Because in all of those things, God doesn't say you, He says, it's about me, Moses. I'm your rescuer, I'm your deliverer. I, I, I'm going to take care of this. You know what? That number of perfection, seven, 
Seven times God said, Moses, tell the children of Israel, I will. Who did, who did God tell Moses to tell them, uh, the Egyptians, who they was? The Israelites, who he was? He said, who, 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 who you say I sent? Moses said, who, who's going to say when I say somebody sent you? He said this, tell them the I am. And here we see the I will. I'm going to deliver my people. In spite of all these reassurances from the Lord, things just kept getting worse, according to verse 9. Then he told the children of Israel what God had revealed to him. They still wouldn't listen. Uh, then Pharaoh had already refused his request. Uh, and now Moses finds out he's lost credibility. He's lost credibility with Pharaoh, with the Israelites. Look what it says in verse 9. They didn't believe Moses because of the anguish of their spirit and cruel bondage. See, that, that anguish and cruel bondage, it had sifted their faith in God. It had caused them to, to doubt what God said he would do. So what did Moses do when, when this bad day got, got worse? Uh, you can't believe, beat Moses' plan. You know what Moses did? He ran back to God. He was discouraged, he was frustrated, he was helpless. But you know, every time this happened, this is the first time we see it. And I'm, I'm closing, folks. Think about this. No water, no food, no belief. What did Moses do every time? He went back to God. Every time the situation got tough, Moses' plan was this. I'm going to return to God. And folks, for us, what a, what a great plan. Return to God. Moses was armed only with a piece of wood that he found in the desert that he used for a staff. He had his brother Aaron, and he began to wage war, listen to this, on the mightiest force in the world. Do you hear what he had? <laughs> he had a staff and a brother. <laughs> and he went up against the mightiest force in the world at that time. He went up against an Egyptian pharaoh with a piece of wood and a brother. You can't slice it any other way. You can't say, well, he had an army hiding over there in case he didn't know. He had a piece of wood and his brother. But you know what else he had? He had the power of God that said, you know what? I'm going to deliver my people and I'm going to follow through on my promise. Would you bow your heads with me? All of this after a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Sometimes as Christians we think, well, if I'm living where God wants me to live, I'm going to live in a rose garden. You know what? A rose garden's got thorns in it. God never promised that our road would be easy, but he promised he'd never leave us, he'd never forsake us. He sent Moses up against the most powerful force, in the world at that time, armed with a, with, a, with a piece of wood, a staff, and the Word of God. When we're having that terrible, horrible, worst day, let's run to God. God doesn't mind if you ask Him some questions, but you know what? He's got a plan. He's not abandoned us. He's not forgotten us. He may say, just hold on a minute. You ain't going to believe what I've got planned. And in his plan, it was perfect.
Because in the end, Pharaoh knew who the God of Israel was. He didn't have to say anymore, I don't even know this God. Who are he that I would obey him? And the children of Israel recognized that it was the hand of God that delivered them. Father, I pray this morning as we just consider our relationship with you, we consider, Father, where you lead us and how you guide us and how you direct us. Lord, I pray that our first step would be to find your will for our lives. I pray, Father, that we'd know we've never fallen too far away from you that you've given up on us. Father, I pray also that we would know as long as we are in the center of your will, even in the midst of a bad day, a bad season, a bad week or month or year, that, Father, you're still with us. Your plan's perfect. Lord, we may not like your timetable sometime, but I pray that we'd just come to you and we would confess our fears and our struggles to you. And then, Father, we would remember that you are God. And, Father, that would be enough. Father, I pray this morning that in the midst of any struggles that we might be having, Lord, I pray today that we would turn them to you, we would leave them to you, and, Father, that we would focus on you, your desire, your leadership, and, and we would trust you. Pray that we wouldn't be tossed around by every wind that blows. Father, we would carry on knowing that we're looking at the long haul and the long picture. And, Father, that we would live by that. Lord, I don't know how your spirit might move among your people this morning, but, Father, wherever you would move, I pray today, that we would follow you, that we would allow you to have your own way in our lives and our hearts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.